You're listening to Red Leg Nation Radio, the official podcast of RedLegNation.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 67 of Red Leg Nation Radio. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. Here with me, as always, our veteran leader at RedLegNation.com, the voice of reason, Bill Lack. How you doing today, Bill? Doing great. I'm the only guy affiliated with the Reds organization older than Scott Rowland. <laughs> well, I don't know. I may have to check Scott Rowland's birth, uh, birth certificate on that. I'm not quite sure that's the case. He seems, he seems like uh, he's up there. We'll talk about him a little bit later. Um, but really, uh, we may talk about him later, but really the only thing I want to focus on in this entire podcast is, and it should be a lengthy and in-depth discussion, is the Reds signed a new pitcher this week. The return of Brett Tomko. How excited are you, Bill? I, I, I can't tell you how excited I am. I, I think this is well-deserving of an hour-and-a-half-long special Reds podcast. And we'll follow that up with the announcement that Jim Maloney has been is, is coming to spring training as a non-roster invitee. That's right. You know, you got to take pitching where you can get it. Um, and I'm, I hear that the Reds are still in negotiations with Jimmy Haynes, actually, to bring him back, possibly as an opening day starter once again. It's very exciting news. And, and, and I even heard that they were, they were talking to Danny Graves. Oh, dare to dream. <laughs> dare to dream. Um, we'll dispense with Tomko pretty quickly, obviously. The Reds signed him this week to a minor league deal. And uh, you know, on Twitter especially, a lot of Reds fans sort of you know, went ballistic about it. But, you know, it's a minor league deal. It's a you know, non-roster invitee. Throw him in the mix, and if he has a you know a few innings left in him, good. If not, you know there's no risk there. So, well, he pitched last year. He pitched last year in AAA for Texas, and and I mean, I I you have to believe that that's where he's going to end up with the Reds. He'll be down there helping fill in the rotation in Louisville, where you know with with the moves they made in the off season, the depth in the starting rotation doesn't extend much past what we've got in the big leagues. So. You know, if, if he could give him, you know, if, if he can give him depth down there, I, you know, and he's still got anything left, I don't think it hurts anything at all. Yeah, yeah, really. Who cares? Um, and, and, you know, it could just be that he wanted, he'd rather spend the year in Louisville than any other Triple uh, A city. You know, he may have just decided uh, he liked Louisville better. So nice town, uh, nice. Town. It is a nice town. It is a very nice town. I don't care much for their uh, college basketball program down there, but uh, it's a nice town. Now, don't be a hater. <laughs> oh, I am. I'm a hater. Um, we're going to sort of call this our spring training extravaganza. We're going to talk about a lot of the questions surrounding the Reds going into the season. And, um, before we get to the questions, I wanted to, uh, sort of start the discussion this way. Spring training is, uh, getting underway. Pitchers and catchers are reporting to you, Bill. What, and I'm going to tell you what mine is as well, but what one thing are you really, I guess, interested to see more than anything? What's the, the one thing that grabs your interest about this spring training? Uh, and, and what we should be looking for as Reds fans. Well, I mean, I think the thing that, that all you know, the thing that the Reds made an emphasis on over the winter was improving the, the rotation. And I don't know how much of that you can really tell coming out of spring training. But I, to me, the thing that I'm most interested in seeing is can we get everybody to opening day healthy? Um, I mean, I'm very excited about seeing Latos. Um, Seeing what you know, Cueto can can repeat what he did last year. Of course, we won't get those answers for months. Um, there was an article in the Cincinnati Enquirer this morning on on Homer Bailey. He's added like twenty pounds of muscle over the winter, trying through a training regimen that they hope will keep him healthy. 
Um, that's what I'm really excited about is 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 watching the the, the rotation especially and seeing how it, it ends up you know forming up. And the other thing that I think will be interesting to see is is if they make decisions strictly based on what you're doing on the baseball diamond. Right. I uh, I agree with all that, absolutely. You know, the, the rotation is going to be a very interesting. Uh, Homer Bailey, sometimes I feel like this podcast has been the official podcast of the Homer Bailey Fan Club because uh, you and I have been uh, big supporters of, of Bailey. Uh, but for me, the, the one thing that I'm most interested in, and it sort of is related to what you mentioned, and it's Aroldis Chapman, and this will be the third consecutive spring that uh, Aroldis Chapman has uh, held my interest more than anybody else in camp. I'm just, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm nervous that the Reds are going to cut bait on the switch to making him a starter. Uh, I think having him as a starter is the best thing for the Reds, and, and I'm hoping he sees some early success because, as you mentioned, uh, sometimes these spring training decisions get made on the basis of just a few innings on the field in spring training um, rather than, you know, uh, what's the best long-term interest of the, of the player and the team. And, and uh, I don't know, sometimes I feel like some of the decisions are made uh, – too quickly based on a limited uh, amount of exposure just in the spring rather than what they've seen from a player before. So I'm, just, I'm hoping the Reds will be encouraged to keep Aroldis Chapman in that role as a starter. I expect him to be uh, starting in AAA to begin the year, uh, which will be fine by me, give him uh, a chance to uh, get his feet under him. But I'm hoping to see him have some early success. Um, Brian Price, pitching coach, said uh, he's looking pretty good uh, at this point. Breaking ball looking good. Uh, but he's been throwing some. You know, he had that shoulder tightness over the over the winter, and they shut him down. But uh, I don't. That, that's sort of where I'm. Where my yeah, because is. you're talking about those quotes from Price have been in the press. You know, because you know that if he looked like crap, Price would be saying that right out in the open in the press. Oh, he looks like terrible. I mean, he he's awful. Hey. <laughs> I know. I I made a joke about it at RedLegNation.com. Uh, it seems like every other report you see in spring trainings about somebody's in the best shape of their life, you know, and they're ready for a breakout season. Well, we're in the those... George Grand part of the baseball season, where where everybody's a wonderful, great player, and they're going to have career. Everybody's going to have a career year, and, and it, you know, it's it's the George Grand outlook, which is a wonderful place to bring your life from, I guess, where everything's peaches and cream. Oh, absolutely, and you know, it, it it's the same articles. Every year coming yeah. from the beat writers out there. And, and you know what? I read every one of them. I eat it up just like everybody else. So that's the um, reason they keep publishing them. But, but, but talking about Chapman a little bit, uh, I'm with you. Uh, you know, the Reds have thus far, in my opinion, really dropped the ball on the development of, of, of Aroldis Chapman. Uh, they've, they've basically made him an auxiliary piece rather than trying to turn him into the centerpiece that we thought he was going to be when he was signed. Um, the other thing is if he can go to Louisville and be, you know, and develop and be successful and work with people like Ted Power and, and, and Corky Miller and, and develop what he needs to be a, a successful starter, when we do need that, that guy to step into the rotation, it'd be wonderful to have somebody with the stuff that Aroldis Chapman has to bring them up from Louisville and stick them in the rotation when you, you know, when somebody's either ineffective, Bronson Arroyo, or you know has an injury problem like home you know like Homer Bailey has over the last couple of years and, and and so has Johnny Cueto. Um, I I I can't agree with you more about the idea of of putting Chapman back in the bullpen is just a waste of an investment and a waste of talent on this kid. 
they at least need to figure out whether he's he's got the mental makeup and the repeatable mechanics. If you listen to the interview with Mezzarocco, that's what he said about Chapman was his, he needs to learn how to be repeatable in his mechanics. Whether he can develop that enough that he can be a successful starter, and if not, if they make that decision, then fine, you put him in the bullpen, or if you see thumps, you know, if you get enough trade value for him, you move him. But you got to figure out what you have. Absolutely, absolutely. They, I agree. They've dropped the ball. You know, they should have been doing what they're doing now. They should have been doing this last spring. But what I foresee, and uh, you know, maybe I'm just being cynical. Uh, I, I don't know. But I, here's what I see: the Reds have been pretty clear this off season that they're sort of going all in on these next couple of years. Uh, you know, win now while we've got Joey Votto on the roster. Definitely this year. Definitely this year, 100%. And and so what happens if we get to uh, August, the Reds are in the midst of a fight in the National League Central, and, you know, a reliever goes down, uh, Bill Bray gets hurt as he always seems to get hurt, and the Reds decide, you know what, our starters are healthy right now. We got We need to move Aroldis back to the bullpen. And it just seems like it's another way to delay uh, what uh, the development of what where Aroldis could be most valuable with this club, which is as a starter throwing a couple hundred innings a year. Um, but I see them moving him back to the bullpen uh, if some if things get tight. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they, they they got Sean Marshall out there now uh, as a left-handed reliever who's just a stud uh, lefty. Uh, maybe that's. Uh, I think a lot of it's going to depend. I mean. Uh, I think what Marshall's going to bring to this team is pretty much a given. I think I think whether they feel the need to move Chapman back to the bullpen is going to have a lot to do with, like you said, Bill Bray staying healthy and how well Nick Massett throws. I mean, I know Massett's a, you know, a right-hander, but when Massett's on, he can get anybody out. And and if they've got, you know, if they feel like they're, I mean, if they're strong through the sixth and seventh, they're going to feel like they got lockdown in the eighth and ninth. You know, if they can shorten games up, a la the Nasty Boys, back to the sixth inning, that that's strong. I mean, that's that's tough to beat. So I, I think the key to, to Chapman is going to be, of course, how he pitches in the in the rotation, but also how other guys in the bullpen throw. And, and, and the guys that I I think mostly that's going to fall on is Nick Masson and Bill Bray. Yeah, and, and Masson's the one guy who, if he really pitches like. Nick Massey can pitch as you as you referenced. Um, he can be a he can be a lock. He's a guy that a lot of people were talking about a potential closer. Yep. So if you think about him in the seventh inning, um, you know, and Marshall in the eighth, and then of course Ryan Madsen, the new uh, closer in the ninth. You know that has the makings of just well, you mentioned the Nasty Boys. It has the makings of, a, of a, that type of bullpen. So, yes, it does. And and. Uh, but, and now we went into last year saying how strong the bullpen was. We felt strong the bullpen was going to be, and the bullpen struggled almost as badly as the rotation did last year. I think. I know I haven't looked up the numbers. I may be wrong. I'm just operating off of memory. But you know, Bill Bray pitched well and stayed healthy all year. I think we got what we expected out of Arredondo because he was coming off of the surgery. But Massett struggled. Cordero's numbers were increased. He wasn't as effective as he had been the year before. Uh, who am I forgetting? Uh, Chapman struggled, you know, when he was out there. Uh, at times, biblically struggled. Andrusek. Um, yeah. Andrusek uh, is Andrusek. I think he is what he is, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's, a, he's he, you know, there's some guys that, that kind of rake him over the coals. But, you know, I think he's a serviceable major league pitcher. I mean, do I want the game on the line with him having the ball in the eighth or ninth inning? No. But if I can use him to get a guy or two out in the sixth or the seventh, 
I, I think he's serviceable, you know, if you if used correctly. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I he think is, he's an he amazing is. story from a guy that, by all by all stories I've heard, was was like ten days from being released by this team, and while yeah. he's still in the minor leagues, for maybe being out of baseball. Yeah, it's a yeah, exactly. Story. I mean, amazing story. It's almost as good a story as Ryan Hannigan. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, um, yeah, I agree. I think that there's. Uh, we felt optimistic about the bullpen last year. We feel. I certainly feel more optimistic this year, and. Uh, I think the the margin for error there is a little bit less because I think you're gonna, you know what you're going to get from Marshall and from Madsen at the back end of the rotation. So if we can just keep everybody healthy, got a chance to have a pretty good uh, bullpen. Yep. Um, well, what uh, just sort of to shift focus a little bit, what do you see as the biggest question mark for this team going into the going into the spring training and the season? I think it has to be what you're going to get out of, out of Scott Rowland simply because the drop off from what you hope you get from Scott Rowland and the and I think the Reds believe they're getting 2010 Scott Rowland back. And God, I hope they're right. Uh, but the drop-off from 2010 Scott Rowland to what you're going to get from Juan Francisco, offensively and defensively, I think is the biggest, why Rowland is the biggest question on this team. If, if offensively he isn't any better, even if he's healthy, which is always a question with Scott Rowland, but if he isn't any better offensively than he was last year, this team's in a lot of trouble because you know he's going to hit in the middle of the lineup. He's going to hit fourth or fifth. He's going to get a ton of at-bats, and if he struggles, this team's in big trouble. Yeah, no doubt. And You mentioned hoping for 2010 Scott Rowland, but let's not forget, um, really it's just pre-All-Star break Scott Rowland in 2010. Good point. After the All-Star break, he was pretty bad. Not- not good, yeah. Yeah, um, and in in the playoffs, obviously, he was just uh, he was beaten down. Well, nobody hit on this team in the playoffs, so I, I'm not going to put that all on Scott Rowland. Playoffs? <laughs> We're talking about playoffs? Um, yeah, yeah. I think Rowland is a big question mark. I just I don't know what to expect out of him. I, I I'm not optimistic, frankly. I would love to see him come back and, and play 120 games at uh, you know a above average level. Uh, I don't know if we're, he, he's never going to be Scott Rowland again, you know, as he was in his prime. But he can still pick it a little bit. His uh, range is not what it used to be at third base, but he can still, you know, he, uh, he's still a plus defensive player. Yeah, and he's going to uh, be helped by having Cozart playing to his, to his left. You know, I, I don't think Cozart is Yanish defensively, but, you know, he, he's not going to hurt you. He's a pretty good defensive player. Right. He's not Renteria or, uh, you know, Orlando Cabrera either over there. So. Right. Um, insert insert ancient guy's name, <laughs> right? Whoever the ancient <laughs> guy of the year, you know, they pick a new guy every year. Um, and, but I, th- I think as well with Roland, one of the question marks is who's going to be his caddy? Because I think at best you're going to get 120 games out of him, and that leaves uh, you know 40 plus games for somebody else. Plus you know, you know that. Well, I don't know who it's going to be. I guess, and, and I See, would, and I, and I don't think that's a question at all. I do well. I think you're right. I think it's, it is who it's going to be, and I disagree with who that's going to be. So I don't want to believe it. I want Todd Frazier there. I think Todd Frazier is the best candidate for that job. He can play the spot defensively, and he's going to hit. Um, but go ahead, tell me who it's going to be. It's going to be Juan Francisco. He's out of options. The Reds love him for some reason. Uh, he can hit the ball three miles. He's the Willie Mo Pena of the infield. Um, now, you know, the Reds are saying, oh, he's improved defensively. But, again, we're hearing that in spring training. 
when you know the world is made out of puppies and 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 you know and cotton candy. Um, but I don't think there's any doubt. I think I think Todd Frazier is going to have a hard time making this team. Uh, I think I think he's destined for Triple A. I agree. I, I do too, and I think it's a shame. I don't think the Reds don't value Todd Frazier nearly as much. I don't think as you and I do. Between his versatility, his um, his his numbers, you know, and, and I read John Fay saying, "Well, he only hit two fifty or whatever it was last year," but he, he still, I mean, he, he was a productive, a very productive player in the minor leagues. Uh, and his versatility, get, you know, is is makes a lot more sense for him to be here than, than you know, other guys than than uh, Juan Francisco, who can only play third base and first base. You know, they they talk about him playing the outfield, but that's frightening to me. Yeah, it's about like Yonder Alonso playing outfield last year. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I'm looking at, at Frazier now, and last year he was at 806 in his OPS, and the year before it was 781, both in AAA. Uh, the year before that, in limited in limited time in AAA, it was 839. If I could get that from a guy, if I could get you know 750 to 800 out of Todd Frazier at third base and play a decent defense for 100 for 40 games, I'd be thrilled to death with that. And not only that, decent defense at four, yep. five, six positions. I mean, yes. the guy can help you in different places. Yep. And and it seems like he'd be perfect to be sort of the caddy for Roland because he can play 40 games for Roland when he's hurt or when they're just resting him at third base. But you know what? You can plug him in left field. You can plug him in at first base. At shortstop, he played some shortstop last year. He was drafted as a shortstop. In a pinch, he can play shortstop, second base. Um, it just makes too much sense to me. But now, you mentioned the Reds aren't as high on him. And let's... You know they they have more information than we do, and you can't uh, discount uh, what they know that we don't. But I, I just I hate to see Todd Frazier sort of getting the shaft this uh, this spring because he could help this team in a number of different ways. And instead, we're going to get Juan Francisco and, and Miguel Cairo is uh, you know guaranteed a place on the ro- roster. And I just don't see where Frazier fits into the final twenty five man roster. And it's really kind of amazing when you think the fact that he's a he was a number one. Exactly. So it's not, not like they don't have any money invested in the kid. Yeah, he's not getting the benefit of the doubt like you would expect uh, a high draft pick to, to get. Yep. Um, that's definitely, uh, that probably is the biggest question. Another one, question mark uh, that I would let, put up the top of the chart would be what's going to happen with left field. Um, you know, I, I, I see the red sign, Ryan Ludwig, obviously, or the ghost of Ryan Ludwig. Um, and I, I sort of see him getting the lion's share of the at-bats in left field. Maybe I'm wrong. Some people have argued with me that uh, they don't see him being much more than, uh, at best, a platoon player out there. I don't know. I, I don't see it. I think he's going to get the lion's share of the at-bats in left field, and I don't think he can hit anymore, frankly. I, I tend to agree with you. I, I, I think when push comes to shove, you know, I think we might start the year seeing a little bit more of Heisey, but if he struggles, you're going to see Ludwig. When when Dusty when somebody struggles, I think Dusty's going to go back to to the vet the vet. And I agree with you. You know, this guy hasn't hasn't hit since the beginning of 2010 uh, when he played when he was still playing in St. Louis. He was terrible in San Diego. He was terrible in Pittsburgh. Uh, and hasn't really been much above average since 2009 or 2008. I'm sorry, you know, and, he, and he's 30. He's going to be 33 this year. Yeah, I just I'm not sure why we should expect him to be getting better. His 
his numbers in San Diego can be discounted a little bit because that was a that's a pitcher's park, but still, you know, his OPS last year was six seventy four. I mean, uh, yeah, and his OPS plus was only ninety, and that's park adjusted. So, right. So, I mean, I'm not sure why we should think that, especially when you consider the fact that he's not going to be any kind of a whiz defensively. I'm not sure why we should expect a whole lot out of Ryan Love. Now, it could be wrong. You know, he may he may still have some power left in him. He may be ready to sort of rejuvenate his career. Maybe. Well, and I think and I think the, the ballpark is going to inflate his power numbers somewhat. Um, but I mean, you know, he was point uh, one WAR last year. Uh, he was minus one point one the year before. Uh, he just hasn't been a good player. I, you know. When the Reds were looking to upgrade left field, I don't think any of us were thinking Ryan Ludwig was the answer. Uh, I agree. And look at his look at his career. Sometimes you want to uh, pull up his stats. Yeah, the, the year he he was twenty nine, turned thirty in the middle of the year, but uh, two thousand eight was a, a a good year. You know, he hit uh, thirty seven home runs, OPS nine sixty six, really an outstanding year. But but look, that's really the only year he's really been even above average his whole career. Um, yeah, if you look in the awards column, that's the only that's the only year that has anything in it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> really, it's true. He, he the, he's had some years where he was probably average or maybe slightly above average, and you know, uh, right around his peak year. Um, but everything before and after has been not great. So I I wonder how much he's overrated on the basis of one really strong year uh, with the Cardinals, and, and I just don't see much reason for. For optimism, I, I don't think you're going to ever discount the the cardinal connection when you're talking about a ball player coming in here um, that played in St. Louis. You know the the Jockety, Castellini, cardinal connection always seems to bring some of these guys in here. And and I'm not saying that I don't think Ryan Ludwig could have some value on this team used in the right way. Uh, I I think he could be a decent pinch hitter, but but the problem with this is. I think they would have been much better off going after somebody that would have given them better platoon splits. Um, Heisey's got a weird split, if you believe his major league splits, because you know, according to the major league splits, he hits righties better than lefties. But for those of us that remember the minor league splits uh, website, in the minor leagues, that was not the case, and it was a lot bigger sample size. Um, but basically, Ryan Ludwig is an, old, an older Chris Heisey. Right. With not as good a defense, I don't think. Um, so I'm not sure what the Reds felt. I, I think they felt like they were covering themselves with the same player rather than improving the team. You know, they were kind of protecting their, you know, the, the position rather than proving the position, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I mean, and I, I don't I don't dislike Ryan Logan. I think he's still a he's still a major leaguer. He can help a team, as you said, if used correctly. Uh, I'm, I just worry that he's not going to be used correctly here, that he's going to start 130, 140 ball games, And, uh, you know, he's right-handed. Uh, Heisey's right-handed. Heisey plays a little better defense. And I, I don't see any reason to believe that Ludwig's going to hit better than Heisey. And so I'm, I'm really just not sure how this improves the Reds. I, you know, I don't mind having him on the roster. He's not a terrible player, but I'm just not sure that he's better than Chris Heisey. And well, and my guess is if we went back and listened to our podcast about a year ago, we'd be saying the same things about Johnny Gomes that we're saying about Ryan Ludwig. Yeah, probably. I mean, you know, I, nobody's in love with Chris Heisey, but at some point, he's your best option. 
Right. You know? If they wanted a better option, they should have went out and spent some money, whether it had been Cody. I, I, I kind of would have liked to have seen him bring Cody Ross in here for a little bit more money. But, you know, the guys that I would like to have seen him bring in, you know, they, they weren't in the plans for, for one reason or another. And I'm not going to second guess the, the moves they didn't make. Right. Uh, because I, you know, I don't understand what what what, what Castellini's willing to spend, and, and and what players would be would have been willing to talk to him. But uh, I just don't understand why we're spending this kind of money on Ludwig when we could have put it, that same amount of money towards someone else and used Todd Frazier or uh, somebody else as a as a as a backup in in left field. You know, the money could have went towards Roy Oswald or. Somebody, you know, right? But, but I don't want to get it. I don't want to open that can of worms. But I just don't see the, how the investment in Ryan Ludwig is going to pay off for this team in the way that I believe it, that he will be used. I agree, and we'll we'll sort of have to see how that plays out. Whether he is getting the lion's share of the at bats, I just you know I'm not a big, big uh, I'm not a fully paid member of the Cody Ross fan club, but the guy I really wanted to see that I, the guy I really thought would upgrade the position was Carlos Beltran. Right. And, uh, yeah, he, he cost some money. Um, not that much money as it turned out. Uh, but, uh, even worse, he went to St. Louis. Um, but I thought he, I thought he was a, would have been a serious upgrade. He hits left-handed. I thought he would have fit this team nicely, but again, you can't, it's hard to second guess that you, he may not have wanted to come to Cincinnati. Uh, the Reds may not have been willing uh, at that time to spend that kind of money. I, I understand they, they pushed the envelope a little bit this, this winter, but uh, I don't dislike Ryan Logue. I just don't understand why he's. Yeah, why I don't he's understand here. what the Reds sit, think he's going to bring to this team that they didn't already have. Right, but more power to him. Let's hope he hits some home runs and. Uh, I hope he. I hope career. he wins the triple crown. <laughs> Absolutely, you know, <laughs> I'll be cheering for him. He's one of our guys now, and uh, he's going to get to play some. So, um, one of the things to watch though is how much he's getting to play out in left field. Is in terms of one of the biggest question marks for this team. Yep. Now, I thought it might be interesting as we're starting spring training, and there's a few positions out there. We just talked about uh, left field. We talked about the bullpen a little bit, but I thought it'd be good to go sort of around the diamond, talk about what we got uh, and what we expect to see this spring, and also look at it in terms of what kind of production do we expect to get from this position, and will it be better or worse than what we got last year in terms of uh, overall team improvement? We all expect the Reds to be better this year. Let's break it down a little bit. And uh, let's start with the rotation. The Reds, I don't think anyone can argue, upgraded the rotation with the trade uh, to San Diego to get uh, Matt Latos, who is going to be the, he's not going to start opening day, but he's effectively the number one starter on this staff. Um, and he makes the, the rotation look awfully good, certainly at the top half. Uh, Latos and Johnny Cueto uh, really make a pretty doggone good one-two punch up there at the top. I'm hoping, again, for good things out of Homer Bailey. And Mike Leake really, you know, has keeps outperforming expectations. If Bailey and Leake perform like they can, unfortunately you're going to have, as you mentioned earlier, Bronson Arroyo, who I love. Bronson's still my favorite player. When he's on, I love watching him pitch, but... But when he's pitching, you need a hard hat in the outfield seats. Yeah, I just don't, still don't understand that contract. That uh, that may have been the worst decision that uh, Jockey's made. He's made some really good ones. Well, between the well between the Arroyo and the Roland extensions, they've they've they hamstrung this team this year. 
and what they could do in the offseason. Um, I don't think there's any doubt that, like you said, they could have made a serious move on Beltran. They might have been able to get Oswald. They might have been able to get them both if they hadn't been tied up with those contracts. Yeah, it's really, uh, we talk about money, and you can't, and the Reds have a, a limited budget, but you can't discount the fact that it's their own fault that it's as limited as it is because they spent some money in places they shouldn't have spent. Uh, and we all knew at the time, giving Bronson Arroyo uh, an extension on that contract and all those dollars made no sense given the arc of his career. He's been a good Red for a while, but uh, last year he showed, you know, he's sort of on the downward swing. And, and you were more vocal than really just about anyone about the, and continue to be, about the Scott Rowland extension. And I, and I agree, it just did not make sense given where yeah, he is in his uh, career. On the Rowland thing, I'll admit, I mean, I didn't like the trade when he came over, and I admit I was wrong on that. Uh, you know, I, he, he came over, he, he seemed to bring a spark, something beyond sabermetrics to this team. And, and that's wonderful, but the extension just absolutely never made sense. Um, the, the, the thing that, and, and I say this all the time, and I've said it on the blog, you can't, a team with a payroll like the Reds, the margin of error is so small that you cannot pay players for what they've done. You have to pay them for what they'll do. And my, and, and, and I don't want to get off on a, on a, on a big discussion of this, but Brandon Phillips is the next one that they're going to face with this same exact situation. And they're going to have to make a decision whether they're going to, in my opinion, do the, make the smart baseball decision and either get Brandon Phillips cheap for a couple of years, or they're going to give in to fan to the fans and extend him for four years at a fairly sizable amount of money. That's going to tie their hands even further. Right, yeah, and we'll talk about Phillips some in a moment. I think that's going to be one of the biggest things to watch during this whole season. What are they going to do with Brandon Phillips? Um, he's clearly he angling for a, a long-term lucrative contract. Um, but back to the rotation for a moment. You know, we, we've named those. Those are going to be probably my guess as the, the starting five uh, in the rotation to begin of the year. And since the rest traded Travis Wood, you start to look at the – depth in that rotation and you start to get a little concerned uh, mm -hmm. i think if, if there are any injuries or uh arroyo just completely falls off the cliff cliff i mean we've got sam lecure uh we've got aroldis chapman hopefully um you know but after that what is who who's that you know who's after that yeah right. i mean uh, it's Mal matt maloney is gone um I'm not looking at our depth chart, but uh, I honestly couldn't tell you if, if they have to go beyond LeCure and Chapman, who's next? I, I, I Off the top of my head, I, a name doesn't jump right out at me. No, me either. I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> I don't know. There aren't. Scott Carroll, maybe? Maybe. Uh, you know, Andrew Brackman, if, if, he, if he recovers. Yeah, but I think they're planning on him being in the bullpen. So, you know, I don't know. We're we're in, we're going to be in some danger if this team yeah. has any kind of health issues or uh, serious performance issues. And, and it doesn't. I mean, I, I don't see anybody at Double A that's ready to make a jump, a big jump. Um, I, like you said, beyond Lacure and you know, and uh, Chapman, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know either. It's uh, and the other thing is, while we're still talking about the rotation, I, 
I don't expect Johnny Cueto to have the year he had last year either. I think we can expect Latos to give us a little bit of an upgrade. His home and road splits in San Diego were pretty much the same. You're hoping that at his age he'll make a next step. I expect Johnny Cueto to regress a little bit. I think Leak will be, uh, you know, ERA plus in the you know 103 range. To me, Bailey, I think Bailey is the guy that's really got to step up in the rotation, and hopefully, by being healthy and, and mature and continuing to mature, he can do that. They can't have Bronson. Bronson Arroyo can't be who he was last year and hold that spot in, in the five hole. I mean, they just can't do it. I mean, it's basically giving a game away almost every, you know, once a week. Yeah, I mean, we, there's going to have to be a bounce back from Bronson. I don't expect that to happen, unfortunately. But I think he'll be better than last year, but I don't think he's going to be as good as he was two years ago. Well, he has to at least be serviceable to be in that fifth spot in the rotation. I agree. Uh, and we've been saying for a couple of years about Homer Bailey, you know, hey, this is a sort of the X factor. If he can step up, the Reds rotation can be really good. And and I think that if he can step up and be an above average starter and, and pitch the whole year without injury, uh, I agree that Cueto may take a little uh, a mini step back. Uh, I expect Latos to take a step forward. Um, it may not show up in his actual ERA numbers, but I think he'll be more effective. I just think uh, given park effects, um, you know, at 24 years old, this kid, should be getting better, um, and I think the rotation should be improved from last year. But there are so many problems that we'll get into if we start seeing injuries or if Arroyo does fall off the cliff because there is not a lot of depth. I agree. Um, I, could, I could not agree more. Which brings us to starting uh, game one of a crucial series against the St. Louis Cardinals in July, Brett Tomko. It all comes back around to Brett Tomko, you know. Yep, he comes out of the out of the bull out of the bullpen on his walker. <laughs> That's right. Actually, actually, what they'll do is they'll reinstitute bringing relievers in on a golf cart, <laughs> just to get him to the mound. Just to get him to the mound, you know, they'll they'll prop him up behind the screen on the mound. <laughs> I'm just oh, kidding, Tom. Go. I, I, I wish it. Brett all the best. Yeah, I liked Brett when he was a Red before. He was frustrating at times, but I, I like. But the I mean, guys. he's been a, he's been a serviceable big league pitcher. I mean, he's he is you know he's he's one of he's the the classic. He is what he is, you know. Exactly, exactly, and he's he's stuck around. And somebody uh, wrote on Twitter my favorite comment about the Brett Tomko signing was clearly the Reds just signed him so that he can retire and go into the Hall of Fame as a Cincinnati Red. So. Into the Hall of Fame, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, he's a, he's a this is his fifteenth big league season, or great 15th, career. You know, that's a wonderful career. Yeah, ERA right. plus a ninety three, which is a little below average, but you know, he is what he is. You know, you have to do something right to have hung around that long. So. Exactly, you're impressing somebody. Exactly, it's not just because you you don't hang around that long for just being a nice guy. <laughs> exactly. Um, we talked earlier about, just to get back to the rotation for just briefly, about my fears that Chapman's going to end up back in the bullpen. But you know, perhaps the fact that there is so, such, uh, there's so very little depth in our starting rotation, uh, you know, maybe that will encourage the Reds to keep, keep on, the, on the path with Chapman as a starter because you know, nobody gets through a season with uh, you know, just using just five or six starters. And, uh, Doesn't happen very often. No, so so maybe that uh, is the flip side of the coin uh, with Chapman that 
maybe that's going to force the Reds to keep him in the rotation. And, and that's one of the problems that I have with the Marshall deal is, you know, the losing of Wood, I, I think, is going to be a, end up being a big issue with this team because of the depth. And, and I know that I'm higher on Travis Wood than a lot of people are. Uh, I really like him a lot. Um, how well he succeeds in pitching in Chicago half the time, I'm not sure. But I, I like the fact, I like the kid, I like his makeup. You know, he struggled last year. The year before, I I really expected him to big, take a big step up last year. Um, and it's nothing against Sean Marshall. I just think without the extension, it was a bad deal. Yeah, the way I look at that Sean Marshall trade, um, which they sent Travis Wood to Chicago, is that if I were the general manager, I wouldn't have made the trade. But, you know, it's not – it's not an obviously bad deal because Sean Marshall is so good. I mean, he's yep. a shutdown reliever. Um, I thought I thought it causes us more problems than we needed in terms of depth in the rotation. And, I, and I'm I'm sort of like you. I'm I'm high on Travis Wood. I, I don't, he's not going to be a number one starter, but uh, he's going to be a mid rotation guy that can help a lot of teams yeah, in his career. And I think he could have helped the Reds this year um, and for the next few years. But uh, on, again, the flip side of that coin is that Sean Marshall is going to you know he's at a, have a, he's got a proven level of performance, I guess is the way to put it, in which he's one of the best relief pitchers in the league. And so while I wouldn't have made the deal, I can't necessarily uh, put the you know stamp of rejection on it either because Marshall's so good, but it did create some more problems for us. Um, and that's a good way to transition to the bullpen. Um, we've talked about it briefly already, but uh, the guy we really didn't talk about earlier was the guy that replaces Coco Cordero at the end of the bullpen, and Ryan Madsen. And the Reds blew everybody away by pulling off this deal. And I think what happened was Ryan Madsen and his uh, agent, who will go named, unnamed, miscalculated the market for uh, for closers this winter. And so we got Madsen on a one-year deal. Uh, Madsen had a, just a fantastic season last year for Philadelphia and see no reason why he shouldn't be awfully good at the end of the uh at the back end of the bullpen this year. So that's sort of a coup, and it really uh, really helps this team. Oh, yeah. I mean, this was a, a gift from heaven. This was manna from heaven. But, it's it, you know, between Marshall and Madsen, it's just one more way of pointing out that this team is all in for 2012 because neither one of these guys are going to be here in 2013. Right, and, and going back to my assessment of the Marshall trade, that was the one thing I said at the time. If the Reds had been able to make that trade combined with extending Marshall for two or three years, oh. I think it becomes a, a good deal for the Reds. I but. agree. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I, and I, I think I said that earlier. I don't like the deal without an extension. Yeah, I mean, because Travis Wood was under team control for a little while and could, could really help the team. And, you know, it's he's not as good a pitcher uh, necessarily as Sean Marshall in terms of what their roles are, but he, I don't know. I, we're, we're all in. I mean, if yeah. this goes, team goes into the next season without Marshall or uh, your, your two best relief pitchers, that's going to be a big blow. Marshall and Madsen. Yeah. And looking at, at Madsen's numbers, I mean, he's been above 130 in ERA plus since he was 26, and he's going into his 30, age 31 season. So that's five pretty strong seasons in a row. I mean, impressive. Yeah, yeah Madsen's going to be good. I don't, I don't have too many worries about Madsen. Especially given the fact that Madsen is a Cincinnati Red for only this year, I don't think I think there is zero percent chance that he will be a Red. Well, maybe one percent. If the Reds win the World Series and you know he feels uh, you know some loyalty and wanting to come back with this same team and 
you know, there may be some magic voodoo that uh, goes around in his head, but I don't see any way he's a red after this year. Um, he and his agent are here to put up this, the best numbers he can and go out and break the bank somewhere next year. Um, so we're all in this year, and uh, the bullpen should be pretty good this year. Yeah. Uh, we said it last year, too, you know, but I think barring injuries, this is going to be the strongest bull. This, this bullpen will be elite, barring injuries that we do not foresee. Should, it should be. And there have been some years where the Reds have had some, some decent bullpens. But this, uh, you know, unless something crazy happens, this is going to be the best, certainly since the Nasty Boys, I would think. So uh, uh, that's exciting. Very much so. Let's move to catcher, and catcher is going to be a spot that's going to be very interesting to watch this year because it's going to be really, I mean, he debuted last year, but this year's really the uh, the arrival of Uber Prospect. And the guy you talked with on the podcast last week, Devin Mezzarocco. Uh, what do we expect from Mezzarocco this year? Well, I mean, it's it, this is going to be Devin's coming out party, and, and I, you know, I would assume that Devin will probably start opening day which will be a, a, a great excitement for the kid. Um, I did talk to him again a couple of weeks ago and made it clear to him, if you listen to the beginning of the podcast, that we here at Red Leg Nation take full credit for his making the big leagues. Uh, he was struggling a little bit until he talked with you. Uh, until he came ago. on the podcast and then his career exploded. So, I mean, you know, A equals B. That's right. It must so, be. you know, I'm not asking for a check or anything, but, you know, a little tip of the cap once in a while wouldn't be bad. Uh, <laughs> seriously, Devin's a great kid. We really appreciate all the time he's given to us. And I just ask people, and you and I, I'm going to go to the, the Bill and Chad standard line 101 is be patient with this kid. Amen. He's going to struggle. There's going to be times when he's going to look like the second coming of Johnny Bench. And there's going to be second times that he looks like the second coming of Bill Plummer. It's it's true. He's a young. He's still a young kid. Um, he's got all the ability in the world. He's improved defensively. His bat is just uh, outstanding. But he's he's a kid. You know, he's a kid. He's just uh, God. What is he? Twenty three years old yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, so be patient. But but you know, on the on the same when you see those times when he's going to look like the second coming of Johnny Bench. Enjoy that because this guy's got a bunch of talent, and we could be seeing the blossoming of not just a star, but a superstar. Not to put too much pressure on the guy, but uh, he's got all the ability in the world to be the top one of the top two. Or yeah, three I mean, I don't know if he's going to be Buster Posey or anything, but but I think he can be a, re- a very good major league catcher. I think he can be the most solid long term answer at catcher for this this team has had in a very long time. Uh, I admit, and as I do with all these guys that I get to know a little bit, I admit my prejudice. You know, when, he, when these guys are nice to us, I, I root for them even a little bit harder um, than I do some of the other guys. Uh, but be reasonable in your expectations, and I think going into what we're talking about here, offensively and defensively, I think you can't expect the catching position to give the Reds what it gave them last year. Uh, I agree. Hernandez... I didn't like the trade when they brought him over. That's another one I was absolutely wrong on. Uh, and he he had a very nice few years for the Cincinnati Reds, and my, my hat is off to the, all the things he did for this team. Uh, I wish him nothing but luck uh, in the rest of his career, and, and it's not fair to expect Devin Mezzarocco 
to give you the numbers that you got out of Ramon Hernandez. Yeah, I agree. That's I agree. Yeah, <laughs> um, we're we're very high as we mentioned on Devin Mezzarocco and expect really big things out of the guy. Um, but I, I agree. I think it's very fair to say we. It, it would be unfair to expect him to match what Hernandez uh, has done here in the last couple of years. And, you know, let me tip my cap to, cap to Ramon Hernandez as well. I thought it was a silly trade. Uh, you know, Hernandez had a, a reputation over in the American League of being a little bit lazy. Um, his last couple of years had not been good. It looked like he was done. But he came to Cincinnati and really, you know, I, didn't, I know he had this reputation of being lazy and there were a lot of criticisms about him. I didn't see any of that. No. Uh, I was very impressed with Hernandez. I, I hated to see him go in the sense that I'm going to fondly remember his years as a Red. Uh, he really, he, his sort of duet with uh, Hannigan, Ryan Hannigan behind the plate, who we're going to talk about in a moment, was very productive. And, uh, uh, you know, Hannigan's going to be what Hannigan is. I can see Hannigan sticking around here for five or six years as the sort of backup and have a good extended major league career here because uh, he's so good defensively. And he's got some on-base skills. So he's going to be a good guy to help uh, Mesoraco learn the ropes. And I think they're going to be a good tandem, but uh, you know, we may not be able to expect them to be as productive as the Hannigan-Hernandez tandem. Not this year. Not this year. In, in future years, I think uh, Mesoraco's got a chance of really exploding and uh, making that uh, one of the best positions any team's got uh around the league. so I, I think that, you know, while we're on catcher, I think another interesting position is going to be how Dusty breaks down the amount of time each one gets to play. I, I read in the paper this morning that, that John Fay is predicting that Devin catches about five days a week. I would think four and three would be a better number, but that's just, you know, my, my feeling. But even at that, I, you know, I think we need Ryan Hannigan to play better than he did last year. We need him to be Maybe not as good as he was in 2010, but closer to that than 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 he where he was last year. I agree. That's my Three Stooges clock that you're hearing in the background. <laughs> I was wondering what's go what's going on there in the uh, uh, Red Lake Nation headquarters. Uh, there. Being um, got, being a man, you know, I'm a Three Stooges <laughs> fan. What can I say? Hey, I I, I can't say anything bad about that. Um, but Hannigan, you know, I like the fact that I, I'd probably do some kind of a 60-40 split there in terms of playing time. I just like the fact that we've got a guy, Ryan Hannigan, who's probably a career backup at catcher. Um, but I'm very comfortable having him in the lineup. I agree. You know, I, I hope to see more out of him, a little bit better year at the plate um, this year. But uh, I'm, I'm a member of the Ryan Hannigan fan club. I think that he helps this team, and, and I'm fine with him uh, being, in, being in the lineup uh, occasionally. And I think we've we've covered this before, but I, I, I want to. It never hurts me to cover it again. Is Ryan Hannigan was an undrafted free agent when he signed with the Reds, and as I've gotten to know, and these guys in the minor leagues, it's difficult unless you talk to these kids playing in the minor leagues how tough it is to climb through an organization as an undrafted free agent because they have nothing invested in you. One bad year and you can be gone. You know, if you're if you're a, a draft pick, no matter what, you know anything, I would think above like twenty. They've got money invested in you, so somebody's in your corner. So you're going to get the at least somewhat the benefit of the doubt. Somebody like Ryan Hannigan didn't have anybody on his team as he climbed up through this organization. He had to fight his way all the way up to the big league level, and I think that must say a lot. And I've never met the man, never spoken, but it must say a lot about him. 
in terms of the, the way he, he, he plays the game. Undrafted uh, player. I agree 100% with every word of that, but uh, I guess he's our undrafted uh, player. So he's the Jeremy Lin of, uh, of the Cincinnati Reds. Is that what you're saying? I don't know who that is. I, I think that's that NBA oh, guy. I don't oh, fo- come on. I, I don't follow the NBA. That's not basketball oh. to me. He likes the Stooges, but he doesn't have Linsanity. I don't know about that. No, I don't. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you think about Hannigan, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know how much playing time he's going to get, but just four years ago, the Reds had Paul Bacco playing 100 games behind the plate. So uh, these are these are sort of the glory years behind the plate for the Reds when you got a guy like Ryan Hannigan who's and, twice and, as Bacco was. And more good years are ahead if you believe, you know, what they're, what they're even with trading away the number two prospected catcher, in the in the in the system, you still got Mark Flurry, who's who's highly you know who was a I think a three pick, and our on our our other spotlight guy Tucker, who was a, a minor league Golden Glover this year, which is a phenomenal achievement. And if right, you least, if you get it if you ever get a chance to watch uh, Tucker Barnhart catch, you'll come away impressed. He's a, certainly an elite defensive catcher already. So yes. yeah, absolutely. So there, there is still some depth in the in the organization. The catcher, after- absolutely. Even after trading his money, Grandall, who probably will be an awfully good uh, catcher himself, and I wish him the best. Um, first base, lots of questions at first base. I'm just not sure what kind of production we're going to get out of first base for this team this year. I'm a little concerned about it. Are, are you as well? I hope for the best. Um, I hope Joey Votto's a red through the whole season because that means we're either leading the division or in contention. Uh, if this team falls on its face, I could see Joey Votto being traded in the second half of the season. Yeah, I hope that wouldn't be the case. We still got him under control for a couple of years, but um, but his value know, would never be higher. That's true. That's true. Trade him when he still has at least another year left on his contract. Yeah, but uh, I, seriously, um, Joey is a marvel. Um, but you know, according to and I'm just teasing my friend, Chris, our friend Chris Welsh here. But Joey Votto will never be a middle of the lineup hitter. <laughs> that's what Welsh said uh, after seeing him <laughs> a few years back, didn't he? Yeah. And Chris knows that we will never let him live that one down because Chris isn't wrong all that often. <laughs> yeah, we need to get Chris back on the on the podcast again, so, just so that we can address that with him as we do every time. Yes, uh, we do. You know, because it is sort of amusing, and, and he admits. And and look, I didn't see this. Nobody saw this coming. No, and, and Chris admits she, he hadn't seen much of him at the time and all that. And and Chris has no problems admitting when he's wrong. <laughs> but I don't think anyone could predict that he was going to become. What he should be this year, the best first baseman in the National League. Yeah, I don't think anybody expected Joey Votto to be an elite player. I mean, I thought right. they, you know, I, I, my guess is if you had talked to the scouts and things, they'd have told you that he was a good player and he'll be a solid big leaguer and yada yada yada. But uh, nobody ever expected him to become the player that he that he really that he is now. Um, and we could spend the whole podcast talking about what we love about Joey Votto, yep. but the fact that he's maybe the hardest worker on this team, I think he's the safest bet to, uh, you know. Give give the same production or, or even better, but around the same production that we've seen from the last couple of years, and so uh, we don't need to waste too much time probably talking. No, about I think we can move on. Yeah, second base we've mentioned a little bit. Uh, it, clearly, it's Brandon Phillips' position uh, this year. Whether they work out some kind of a deal, uh, frankly, they're all in for this year. So unless they really fall out of the race early, I don't see them uh, trading uh, Phillips. Um, and, and frankly, I think they're going to sign him. I, I don't know for how long or for how much, but I. Think it's probably going to happen, uh, whether we like it or not. And then, listen, I, 
I don't mind having Brandon Phillips around. I love Brandon Phillips. He's I've changed my opinion about him. I've done a 180 on BP. Uh, you know, he won the Silver Slugger last year. Won the Gold Glove last year. You know, what more do you want? Made the All Star team. Uh, he's probably on the downside of his career a little bit here, but he's still a, a, a really good second baseman when you compare him to everyone else around the league. So, uh, ignoring the contract issues, Phillips should help this team this year. Yeah, I don't expect him to have as good a year as he had last year. Um, you know, he had a career year last year, uh, 8-10 um, OPS, 119 OPS plus, uh, hit 18 home runs, you know, 353 on base percentage. To me, that's the big number as to how effective Brandon Phillips is going to be this year because I believe he's going to be the Reds' leadoff hitter. Um, I don't think that's where he ought to hit. I don't know who should be the Reds' leadoff hitter, but I don't like somebody with Brandon's power hitting in the leadoff spot. I'd rather have a an on-base percentage guy up there. Uh, and I'll talk a little bit about my new favorite TV show in a little while. They did a thing on this the other night. Um, but... You know, again, I agree with you also that they're going to extend him. Uh, I think I, I just my sense of foreboding tells me that they're going to make a mistake and they'll extend him too long and for too much money. Um, but, you know, if, if we can get a, a 105 OPS plus to 110 OPS plus season out of Brandon Phillips with great defense, uh, I'd be happy with that. But I don't expect him to give me a, a four war year again this year i think a, you know if you, we can get a three out of him i think that'd be a great year well the issue the problem and i shouldn't say problem really but i think the problem from the red standpoint is that brandon phillips is a good second baseman he's uh you know he had a great year last year uh public relations wise it's going to be tough they're in a, sort of a tough spot i think they may feel like they're backed into a corner and t- having to give him uh you know an ex- a serious extension you know look my seven-year-old is sitting here next to me and if i asked him who his favorite player was he'd tell you brandon phillips and he wears number four uh, for his little baseball team and um there are kids like that all over the the cincinnati area you know um phillips is a likable guy uh, by most reports and uh he's been willing i had some some a uh, couple of people in the reds front office tell me uh, just a few years ago hey, listen anything we ask brandon phillips to do uh in the community or just anything the front office loved him because he was willing to do anything he could, uh, you know, to be sort of the we, we joke about him being the face of the franchise. But uh, he's backed him into a little bit of a spot here, um, especially when you consider Gold Glove, Silver Slugger, All Star. Um, he's community he made, a community guy and a front face of the franchise. I mean, he's yeah. one, you know, and, and, and when the team asks you continually to do things, the caravan, the Reds Fest, and, and you're putting them out front like that, you're giving them that leverage. Um, Absolutely, and, and I'm not, and, and I'm not gonna feel sorry for the Reds, uh, and and you know whether Brandon Phillips did this because he enjoys doing all these things, and I don't think you could fake the joy that he seems to bring to all these fan events. I don't think that could be a, a put up front if you didn't really feel that. You'd have to be a pretty darn good actor. Um, but no matter what, from his perspective, it's also a very smart move because oh, it just good. gives you another, another, you know, another. Brick in the wall. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful business move for him. And yeah. Know, and he's not, listen, Brandon Phillips is not as good as most people think he is, but he is good. And uh, he he's a sort of a plus on this team. And, you know, 
he's a likable guy. There was a time there two or three years ago where he was more of a hot dog than anything else and frustrated a lot of us, but the, the, this, the yep. switch kind of flipped on for him, and he, he realized at some point that's not getting it. And uh, we've not seen any kind of those issues the last couple of years out of him, and uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, no, nobody. I mean, my my brand, Brandon Phillips rant on here is is famous. I'm surprised it didn't go viral uh, <laughs> yeah, really. from a couple of years ago. But I don't know what made Brandon realize whether it was the brawl and and the abuse that he took in the media after that, or another player taking him under their wing and kind of you know explaining to him the way the world works or whether he just matured as a young man. Uh, I, I can't speak to, but I agree with you. The light seemed to have come on for this kid. Maybe he's not a kid. He's 30 years old. I mean, but right. they're all kids to me. Exactly. In terms of production, I expect him, I agree with you. I expect him to be a little bit, uh, I don't expect him to reach the highs he did last year, but I expect him to be above average and, uh, you know, a pretty good second baseman. Uh, we've talked about third base in terms of what we, uh, the question marks there. In terms of production over what we got last year, do you expect uh, it to improve or to regress? I think it'll improve. I think it has to improve. I, you know, same thing for shortstop. At least offensively, I think they both have to improve. Uh, to get any worse offensively would be, you know, almost damn near impossible. Yeah, I think that given what we had out of third base last year, you only had Roland for sixty-five games. Very poor numbers, 279 on base percentage, OPS plus of 82. It's got to be better. Um, how much better depends on how they react to Roland's prolonged absences mm-hmm. and how Roland reacts to being back in the lineup if he's able to stay healthy, whether we see uh, sort of the flash of the old Scott Roland or uh, what I'm afraid is the current state of Scott Roland. So, uh I guess we'll see. I expect it to be better, but not. who knows? It could be anywhere from barely better uh, to markedly better. I, I don't know what to tell you. That's uh, that's sort of copping out. But uh, yeah, I, I don't think it can be worse. I honestly don't believe it can be worse. No, I don't either. That was, that was just a... Yeah, cause it's like the old adage, nowhere to go but up. And that is a perfect way to transition into shortstop. Uh, I don't think shortstop, there's any way shortstop can be worse than it was last year. Offensively, it would be almost impossible. Uh, are we going to get as much defensive production? No, you know, but Cozart isn't, like we said, he isn't, insert random old guy's name here. Uh, yeah, he's but, above average defensively by all accounts. He's not youngish, yeah, but he's yeah. above average. I mean, I watched Cozart at Dayton, and I saw a little bit of him a couple other places, and you know, he's, he, he's a good player. I mean, he isn't going to... He ain't gonna make you, you know, drop your beer while you're watching him, but he he's also not gonna make you cuss at the, it cuss to the gods either, you know. I think that Kozar, with a good year this year, can really submit himself uh, and really secure for himself a nice long big league career because he's sort of the typical shortstop uh, that you, know, you sort of want to see. He's not, like I say, he's not gonna knock your uh, glasses off your head, but. He can hit a little bit enough to justify a spot in the lineup. He can play defense. Just very steady, I think, is the word. And, and having somebody steady there in the middle of the, uh, uh, you know, up the middle and defensively, it's going to be that's the type of guy that you like to have somebody out there that you don't have to worry about. And it, it's just been one thing after another for the, at the shortstop position for the Reds since uh, our guy Larkin, Barry Larkin, retired. You know, Yanish played 114 games. You mean, you mean games Hall of Famer Barry Larkin? 
Hall of Famer Barry Larkin, and we may uh, I may try to uh, see if we can't do some kind of a podcast from Cooperstown if I can work out that uh, trip this summer. Um, that's for another podcast. But Giannis played 114 games with an OPS of 521 last year, 42 OPS plus. Um, and I, I'm a fan of Paul Giannis. I love watching him play defense. Uh, he's one of the few guys that sort of does make your eyes bug out of your head sometime defensively. But that's bad. And uh, I think Cozart is going to be a clear improvement. He's not going to be a, a star probably, but I think he improves that position overall, even, even if there's a little bit of a drop-off between him and Yanish defensively. The only thing I would say, and, and going back to that, and, and I hope we're both you know right, but if you look at their minor league numbers, Yanish's OPS in the minor leagues was 749, Cozart's was 753. Yeah, but now, look at their ages, and I don't have it right in front of me. Um, seems like Cozart was maybe a year or two younger at those levels. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Um, that's what I shouldn't go by memory. But uh, and, and Cozart's number, again, going by memory, bumped up a little bit a couple years ago. He started... Uh, yeah, Cozart was a little younger. I'm looking at it now. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I agree. But I think that goes into the... He's going to be better than Giannis, I think, offensively. He's not... Uh, I think enough... He's not going to be a star, but enough to where you don't mind having him batting eighth in the lineup and uh, you know playing a pretty steady shortstop. So uh, I think Cozart has a chance to be a pretty good player. Um, I, I guess he could fall off the cliff and uh, not respond well to his. Uh, well, he had an extended trial last year before he got hurt, uh, I guess, but a, a real extended uh, trial. How many, how many games did he play last year here? I'm Wasn't gonna, many. Yeah, eleven games before he got hurt. And of course, yeah. he was he, you know, his OPS plus was one seventeen. And, and when you compare that to what we'd been seeing before from Giannis and and Renteria, he seemed like a gift from the gods. Uh, yeah, but uh, I expect him mid to high seven hundred OPS is probably what the best you can expect for Kozar, uh, and I'll take that. Oh heck yeah! So um, out to the le- out to the outfield, left field. We've talked about some. Um, yeah, we kind of beat you know, that I, to death earlier. I, you know, I expect the production to be about the same as what you got last year in left field. Yeah, yeah. It, it, there's a chance it could be a little better depending on how the playing time is apportioned out there. Johnny Gomes was uh, not good when he was uh, when he was here. He wasn't awful based on the fact that he got on base a little bit. Uh, but uh, you know, it was Johnny Gomes is what he is. Um, this year, it's all going to depend on how the playing time is split up. We'll see. Roughly the same, probably. Maybe maybe a little better. Um, the enigma of this team is in center field with Drew Stubbs. And I just, at this point, I don't know what to expect from Drew Stubbs. Well, I agree with the, the people that are, that, are, that are believing that last year was basically his floor. Uh, how much better he'll be than last year, I don't know. Um, but if we can get 2010 numbers out of Drew Stubbs, I'll be happy. Uh, I can live with that. You know, oh, 2010, he was a, a 5.2 war guy. You know, and even last year, as bad as, as much as he struggled at times, he was a 2.9 war guy at age 26. I mean, he wasn't horrible. He struck out way too much and he lost his power. But with his defense and playing in a defensive position, you know, a three-war guy? Yeah. I mean, on a bad, on, on what, maybe your four-year, you know? Yeah. 
I can I can live with a you know a, a a four or five war, you know a five. I I think you can you can look for him to be around his 2010 numbers, which is a 105 OPS plus, maybe a little you know I, I'd hope he could do higher. I'd like to see the on base percentage climb some. You know he's in the 320s. I'd like to see it in the mid to 330s to 340s minimum. I like and and the power has to come back or the strikeouts kill you. Definitely. The problem with Drew Stubbs is, uh, well, first of all, I agree he's got to be better. Uh, he will be better. It's going to be his age 27 year. I just don't see any way he can get worse unless something's gotten in his head because he was in a funk at times last year. Um, but at age 27, he's approaching what should be his peak. And, you know, I would expect much better things. If we get what we had from him two years ago, I'm, I'm with you. I'll take that from any center fielder. Um, the strikeouts is the thing that, when you, you listen to if you if you're forced sometime you're in a locked room and somebody's popping in talk radio and you're forced to listen to some of these call-ins these call-in shows people whining about stubs the strikeouts and we, we had the same discussion with Adam Dunn a few years ago who's a different type of player but the strikeouts are something that really just get people irritated yeah they make some uh, people crazy yeah i mean i don't want him to strike out 205 times you know um, he's going to strike out a lot, though. We're just going to have to recognize that a strikeout is just another type of out. Um, and and you know, is he getting on base? Is he? Uh, does his power return? I expect Drew Stubbs to be better. Uh, I just encourage people not to get too crazy about the strikeouts because it's not good. But it's you know, he's not hitting the double plays either. So you know, right? You know, I, if the power comes back and the strikeouts drop a little bit, he's a very productive player. Now, if the strikeouts stay high and the power doesn't come back, then you got a bigger issue. Yeah, you have some issues, and I don't, I don't know what to expect out of him. I, well, I do expect him to be better, but last year was such an anomaly in terms of he just dropped off the face of the earth after a pretty doggone good age 25 year. And, uh, you know, I'm just I'm tired of hearing – why doesn't he strike out less? And why doesn't he bump more? Come on. Because um, the game is, is simple. The game is easy. You see, you're making the game too complicated. Right. See the ball, hit the ball. Yeah. What, is, uh, what's, what, what was the line in ball for? The bat's round, the ball's round, but you got to hit it square. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> Which is the reason why my career ended so uh, so early. Uh, I could never, never figured that one out. Um, our, our friend Jason Linden, who... Uh, has been doing some of our previews at RedLegNation.com over the last couple of weeks and still has a few more to go. He had his uh, Drew Stubbs preview. And, uh, you know, he sees a an uptick. The question is how much uh, how much of an uptick. And so I don't, I don't know. His best guess was a Warren 3.5 area. You know, I don't know. Uh, he can do better than that. He has the ability. But something happened last year, and maybe the Reds have a better idea of what that was than we do. But it's a big question mark. Maybe we should have mentioned that in our question marks, uh, even though it's not a question of who's going to be getting playing time in center field. I think he's the guy out there. But well, I think you're also going to see Heisey out there a little bit, and and and, and Ludwig when Ludwig's playing left. You know, I think you'll see that some. But I, I agree with you. Stubbs is the man in center field. And, and, you know, let's not discount the defense this kid plays, too. He plays very good defense in center field. Absolutely. And, uh, and man, people do want to discount that sometimes, but he's just a – he has the opportunity. And I think this year he's going to break out as an elite 
defensive center fielder if he's not already. Um, right field, uh, not a whole lot of discussion to make here. Uh, Jay Bruce has become the whipping boy for a lot of guys as well, him and Stubbs. But uh, uh, Bruce is going to have his age 25 year. Um, had an OPS plus of 119 last year. He's on video game commercials. He's uh, <laughs> another another guy that does uh, everything the Reds ask for him in the community. Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, this may be the year that we see whether Jay Bruce is going to uh, turn into a, the best right fielder in the league or whether he's just going to keep being sort of a solidly above average right fielder. Yeah, um, I'm a huge – Jay Bruce is my favorite red. I, I readily admit that right now. Uh, and, he's you know, he, he took that mantle over when Adam Dunn left. Um, not that anybody cares who my favorite red is, but uh, – he, he, oh, we, we all we all care who your favorite. Yeah, player. I know everybody lives on the edge of their seat, wondering what Bill likes and doesn't like. Um, but he did take a step back last year, and, and this team for this team to be successful, Jay has to continue to improve. Um, he went from being almost a five war guy to a one point two war guy last year. Uh, his OPS plus dropped. His you know, on base percentage dropped. His slugging dropped. His batting average dropped. Uh, his home runs and RBIs went up, but he, you know, and and I don't think he was quite himself defensively last year in the outfield either, as he was the year before. Um, made the All Star team. Yeah, I, I don't. That doesn't mean much to me. Uh, Jay needs to. Jay needs to continue to improve. He needs to continue to be a better player, uh, and he needs to be better than he was last year. The thing about Jay Bruce is, you look at what he does. For example, in May last year, where he hit 342, uh, OPS of 1140, 12 homers in the month, 33 RBIs, uh, 402 on base percentage, and you think, you know, OPS plus of uh, 215, you think, oh my goodness, you know, this guy has all the ability in the world. And then, of course, he proceeds to hit 217 in June. Um, and otherwise, pretty steady throughout the year. He was at a slow start, but, you know, I don't know what what to expect from him. I agree. Other than than May, he's going to be an up and down player. I think we've seen that, and that's why a lot of people are frustrated with him. He'll go into some funks, and um, and then he'll have some crazy times. I, I would hope that he's getting a little older. He's got some experience under his belt. That some of those uh, ups and downs are going to start to level out a little bit more. That the lows won't be quite as low. Um, the highs maybe uh, can can still reach some of those heights. Um, but you would hope he's he's working hard. According to all accounts, I don't have any reason to believe he isn't. Um, you would hope that some of those lows would flatten out a little bit, and uh, he wouldn't go into the funks that he goes into occasionally. Yeah. If he does, if every, he does time, that, every, every time I, uh, I I get a little despondent about Jay, I, I look at the similarity scores on on BaseballReference.com, and the most similar by ages to uh, to Jay. The 22, 23, and 24 were Barry Bonds, Willie Horton, and Reggie Jackson. I'll take that. Yeah, you think? Yeah, And, really. and his similar batters through age 24, the number one is Reggie Jackson. Um, if he ends up having a Reggie Jackson-type career, I can live with that. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think, I no think pressure I, there. I think I'll sign that legislation right now. Yeah, no, no uh, pressure on Jay there. Yeah, but there's some you know names on there. Adam Dunn uh, makes the list on his similar batters. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah I agree. I, I, and I think this is another situation where people get too frustrated. The guy was 24 last year, you know, 23 the year before. Yeah, they're paying him a lot of money now. Um, 
but he's been a young guy trying to sort of figure it out, and he's still got a lot of years ahead of him. Um, and you, know, you would hope to see some improvement. We didn't see as much of that last year as I would have hoped. But again, um, there's only so much patience we can encourage with a guy like him that's been around for as long as he has. But um, he's still a young guy. You know, he's not. It seems like he's been around forever, but he's uh, you know he's younger than Votto and some of these other guys. So. The other thing is, I, you know, and, and, and whether this has any effect on these guys or not, I have no idea. But he kind of took over the mantle of Marty Brenneman's whipping boy when Adam Dunn was traded. And, yeah. and I have, I'll tell you, I resent the heck out of it. The, 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 the things I've heard Marty Brenneman say about this kid at 23 and 24 years old, to me, is just wrong. Well, it's like we talked about with Mezzarocco. People expect them to come to the major leagues fully formed as a player, and they're yeah. not going to be fully formed. They right. got, there's, it's, it's, a, it's a process. Um, it's been a strange process with Jay Bruce, um, but it's a process, and, and that's why I'll, you know, encourage, always, you and I always, and we beat this horse, I know, but encourage patience with the young guys. I love Marty to death. Uh, I would listen to Marty every single night, but he does frustrate me sometimes. When a, two years ago, his, his sort of famous statement that we've discussed many times uh, about Johnny Cueto. I, frankly, I don't think this kid's ever going to get it. You know, yep. why make that statement about a kid, you know, that's, that's trying to learn? And, of course, Cueto has made vast improvements. Cueto has gotten it, so uh, quote, unquote. So, and, uh, and I've yet to hear where Marty retracted that statement. Yeah, I think he's a little quick to jump on some of these young guys. And that's, uh, I don't know, the guy sat in that booth and watched the Johnny Benches and the Pete Roses and the... Tony Perez's and Joe Morgan's, you know, so, uh, you know. Yeah, and, it, you know, and, and I don't want to get off on a Marty Brenneman tirade here, but uh, when, you're, when you're starting your career like he was at that time in the big leagues and your first assignment is covering the big red machine every day, I would tend to think it makes the game look pretty darn easy. Right, exactly, and so... Um... I don't know. I I, I refuse to. I, st- I, I I I'm still a huge Marty Brenneman fan. I just I'm a I'm, I'm a big fan. I like the way Marty calls a game. Yeah, that's I, that's as far as I'll go. I, I just summer nights when I was little, uh, sitting on the uh, porch or playing wiffle ball out in the yard with the radio on and and listening to Marty call the game. Uh, I, I'm probably always going to be in Marty Brenneman's camp, but I agree. Sometimes he can be a little bit too negative on some of these guys. And Jay Bruce is another one that. Um, has been a bit of a whipping boy, and I think it's unfair. Uh, there are some reasonable complaints about absolutely you know, uh, about Bruce, but sort of like with Adam Dunn, let's not focus so much on what the guy doesn't do or hasn't done yet, and and let's look at the fact that he's he's an above average right fielder, uh, good defensively. He's just uh, you know twenty going to be in his age twenty five year this year, um, and let's enjoy what we've got. This is, guy's got a chance of being awfully good. Um, I think the ceiling for him is a solidly above average right. I mean, the the, the floor is a solidly yeah. above average right fielder. The ceiling, uh, well, the sky's the limit. Yeah, I, I uh, agree. You know, and before we get off of Marty, I, I would give Marty's comments about players a lot more credibility if I heard him uh, criticize like a Scott Rowland when Rowland doesn't get the job done, and I've never heard it once. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, veterans. Well. Veterans always seem to get more uh, margin for error, I guess. Johnny Gomes was one of his guys. Ryan Friel was one of his guys. 
Well, I know Johnny Gums, especially on the tele- television broadcast, uh, poor Tom Brenneman just would. It was like he was trying to pump up Gums' stock so that he could sell, you know. Uh, <laughs> just uh, very effusive in his praise of Johnny Gums when Gums was really struggling. And, and yeah, Gums was what he was, but uh, and I liked the guy. I, you know, he, he was sort of a fun guy to have around, but. Yeah, let's not uh, let's not give up on Jay Bruce. I think uh, right. I'm, ho- I'm hopeful we're going to see an awfully uh, good year out of Bruce this year. Um, we can briefly touch on the bench. Uh, you know, Miguel Cairo's back. For, you know, for better or for worse, Cairo's been better than I thought he'd be. But he's you know 78 years old this year, and uh, there not been too many 78 year olds that have contributed much. Uh, Frazier is not going to get a whole, whole lot of opportunity i don't believe um i don't know who's, who's your backup shortstop on this team well uh, the guy that they, what's the guy's name that they brought over from philadelphia wilson wilson valdez yeah doesn't he i think he plays some shortstop yeah not well but he's kind of like cairo you know that's who i think i mean and i don't see i i see him making the team i don't think they'd have traded for him if he wasn't gonna make the team now maybe i'm wrong uh I guess he's the backup. I don't know. I don't see Todd Frazier making this team. Um, I would rather have Frazier on this team than Miguel Cairo. I think he brings more to the table, but they're not. I don't think they're going to write off that contract when they can send Frazier to Louisville. I think. I think if Frazier was out of options, I think it'd be a different story. But I think he's got one more option left, one more option year. Yeah, I, I think your bench is Cairo, uh, Francisco. I agree. Wilson Valdez, I think, is probably going to make it. Hannigan. Uh, Hannigan. Uh, Ludwig slash Ludwig slash Heisey. Yep. Um, and, you know, some people are, you know, they put Dennis Phipps on the 40-man roster. And I'm not sure what people expect out of Dennis Phipps, but uh, you need to temper your expectations. Yeah. He had a he had a good year last year, but let's not get crazy. Well, right? he'll never, he isn't going to make you – know, John Fay has kind of been tooting his horn repeatedly. Off of off of one good one very very good season. Uh, I, I watched Dennis Phipps play two years at Low A ball. Now let me say that again. He played I think two full years at Low A ball, and was not good. Yeah, and he's going to be t- turned twenty seven this year. Right, um, and and he and he's got how many at bats in the in the in Triple A? You know, a half a season yeah. maybe. Yeah, I... you know. I hope that this, the light went on for this kid, and he's every bit as good as he looked last year. But you know, I'm from I'm, I'm like the guy from Missouri. He they still have to show me. Seems like a waste of a 40 man roster spot. And, and well, there's a couple of those that I don't understand. And then they you know they took Carlos Fisher off the 40 man, which I mean I kind of understand that they traded Jeremy Horse, which I don't understand. Um. Yeah. You know, but they got Chris Negron and Dennis Phipps, and I and if I believe, and they, and they put guys on the forty before they needed to, if I'm not correct, I don't think Henry Rodriguez and Didi Gregorius or Pedro Villarreal needed to go on the forty man yet, or Donald Lutz for that matter. Yeah, I, I with Phipps specifically, I just I don't know what's going on there. I, they expect him to make the team. If he does, I guess he's the another backup outfielder. Yeah, but uh, I, there's no way he makes this team. There's just well, absolutely no way. Unless well, it's make- a, unless it's one of those things like what was it? I can't remember the guy's name that 
Started in the outfield for the Reds one year. I think it was in the 80s. He started the first game of the season, maybe played a couple of games, and then he, I don't even think he was in the organization by the All-Star break. <laughs> I don't know. Um, well, if he doesn't make the team, and he shouldn't, I don't think, um, that leaves you with four outfielders, Bruce Heisey, Ludwig, and Stubbs. And really nobody, nobody, unless they still consider Juan Francisco capable of playing in the outfield, if you're not going to put Frazier on the roster – you don't have anyone else that can play out there. Yeah, this uh, so. this bench is going to be very limited in what it brings to the to the team. Uh, I mean, you basically have got a platoon in left field, a weird, strange platoon, but a platoon nevertheless. A backup catcher, uh, a guy, and and a guy that can play third base. And Miguel Cairo, I you know, and and and, and you know Wilson. Valdez, you know, when he's not making coffee, can I guess play you know a number of different positions, but I don't know what he brings to this team either. This is going to be a very weak bench on this team, I think. It's limited, and it's uh, certainly there's, you know, in terms of depth, not not much. We're, this team is could be very very good this year, but a few injuries and yeah, they better stay healthy. Yeah, it's going to be trouble because uh, the ceiling is high, but. It's a, very tenuous. It's going to be very dependent upon health. Um, well, we'll wait until closer to opening day to start making predictions about what we expect to, how we expect the team to finish uh, the season, predicted records, things like that. Yep. But, uh, but there's reason for excitement. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. I'm very excited about this team. I, I, I think that the pitching is going to be fun to watch. I think they're going to be very good defensively. Um, and I think they'll have enough offense to get by, again, as long as they stay healthy. Yeah, I agree, and I, I think I'm probably more excited about this team than any Reds team, and uh, it's been a while. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing how this team performs, and you know, it's sort of a weak division. There's an opportunity here, and uh, I like the fact that the Reds have, uh, you know, going all in. You know, we can call it what we want to call it, but I like the fact that it's a. It's been a while since we've had sort of a win now strategy. Um, it's been always building for the future, so I, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see how it turns out. Yep, me too. All right, anything else you want to talk about before we uh, check out here? Yeah, two things. Spring training is always a good time to read a good baseball book. I know which one you're going to uh, nominate. That's right. I'm going to show my age and tell you, if you're a baseball fan and you have never read Jim Bowden's Ball Four, treat yourself and read Jim Bowden's Ball Four. It is the best baseball book, in my opinion, ever written. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, I didn't do it the last couple of years, but there for a number of years, I would read that as you suggest every spring. Uh, laugh out loud, funny, absolutely. Uh, what, what well written? Um, yeah, it gives you an stuff. understanding. It's a, while some of the 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 intricacies of the way baseball works have changed because it was written about the nineteen sixty nine season. It still gives you a, an insight into how the the coaches and the players deal with each other, and and the players deal with each other. And and how these th- how the major league baseball works it's a it's a it's a very interesting read. Uh, quick note about that: I was at a, a conference for my job uh, not too long ago, and one of my colleagues turns out Jim Bouton's brother. Uh, so really? We had, a nice long, we had a nice long discussion about uh, ball four, as a matter of fact. So, and my my other point, the other thing I wanted to say is, if you have the major league baseball channel and you are not watching Clubhouse Confidential every day. You're making a big mistake if you're a stats guy. It is phenomenal. It's amazing that they put a show like that on the air, isn't it? 
Yeah. And they run it about 72 times a day. So you can't miss it. Right? <laughs> you can't miss it even if you want to. But if you're, if you're a baseball, if you're a stats, even if you're not a stats guy, it can turn you into a stats guy. Um, give it a try. It, air, it airs live every night at 5.30 Eastern. And it's uh, it's well worth the half hour that you spend on it, and it's it's almost. I I've been watching it probably for two or three months, and I bet there's been one or two episodes that I didn't really enjoy. It's it's a, it's well worth watching. Yeah, go set your DVRs for that because you know, and not just if, uh, like you said, not just if you're a stat guy, because the way they uh, sort of present things on there is. It, they don't they don't dumb it down, but no. uh, uh, but I think you know Brian Kenny is the host of it, and uh, I think does a really good job making it accessible to the average fan. Um, and I, I agree, it's, I'm amazed that that show got on the air, but I think it's very well done, and uh, they, it's always interesting. And uh, you know, and I, other, I, I agree. The other thing they do is they also bring on the non stats guys to argue the other side at times. You know, they'll have the Larry Boas or the, uh, I forget the guy's, Harold Baines, is that the guy's name? Uh, Her- Harold Reynolds. Harold Reynolds. Uh, is They have him on, you know, the the, the non the, the, the traditional baseball guys, not necessarily the stats guys, but Rob Nyer's on there, the guy from Sabres on there a lot. Um, they have some writers, Ken Rosenthal is on there quite a bit. It's a very, very well done show, it's very interesting, and if you're a baseball fan, you'll 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 really get into it. Maybe one day they'll get Bill James on there with Joe Morgan, and the world will explode. Yeah, there would it would you know the 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 friction would cause a black hole, and the whole universe would be sucked into it. Right. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. Ball four and Clubhouse Confidential. Uh, you know, to while away the hours until we get some actual games. Could not agree more. Anything else you got for us, Bill? That's all I got, brother. All right. Well, I appreciate you joining me. Um, you know, it's it's a fun time of year. Hope springs eternal, as they always say, and pitchers and catchers are uh, getting loosened up as we speak. And uh, it's just it's an exciting time for a baseball fan in general, but I think it's a particularly exciting time for Cincinnati Reds fans. And uh, we're going to try to be with you all season long at RedLegNation.com. Uh, once again, I thank Bill Lack for joining me. And for both of us, thanks for downloading the podcast. Now, there's a lot of things you could be wasting your time listening to, and the fact that you took a made the uh, – uh, decision to actually go and, and, and download this or click the play link at reallynation.com. Much appreciated. Um, and hey, you're going to be seeing... investing a lot of time today. <laughs> yeah, today's one of our longer ones, but uh, some people may complain. But, we, but uh, if you want to complain, send that to me at chat at reallynation.com. Um, if you want to uh, say anything that's not a complaint, happy happy to hear that always as well. We appreciate the good feedback we get sometimes on the podcast. For Bill Lack, this is Chad Dotson saying. So long, everyone, on Red Lake Nation Radio.